10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And welcome once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Second week of November. I guess this is the holiday season now. When when do you officially define the holiday season? Because Hmm. I'm going to lead off with this. I've got a neighbor. Brian McFarlane is his name. Okay. And He's actually a Simmons Bank employee, so thanks to Brian and everybody over at Simmons for sponsoring this program, but Brian was showing off this weekend. He went full Clark Griswold. I mean, he went all out on the Christmas lights, and he's the first person in the neighborhood to really do it, and he happens to be right next to me, so... (laughs) You Congratulations know, to Brian for doing a great job getting all the lights up. But, you know, it kind of makes me look like a loser because I'm sitting there right next door and I don't have anything up yet. My wife last year put Christmas stuff up on November 1st, and I was willing to kind of sign a one-year COVID waiver. It was 2020, and if we were <laughs> wanting to jumpstart into the Christmas stuff, I was kind of okay with it. She's also had a tree in our dining room that hasn't been down it's been up all year long never took it down from last year no now in defense of her it's a it's a skinny tree that's kind of the frosted the white looks like a snow and it's entirely decorated with owl stuff so you can pass it off not being a christmas tree but it's a <laughs> but it tree. is a christmas tree and it's been up the whole time and then she over the weekend I noticed it's been up all year, and then I notice I walk in and all the owl decorations on it are in a box. How'd you wait till now to take that all the decorations off that? She said, "Oh, I'm about to hang them all back up. I just took them off so I could put ribbon down the tree." So she took all the decorations off this so she could put this owl ribbon she found streaming down it to turn right back around and put all the decorations back on it. But that's all we've got out. But I, that'll probably change. Could change by uh, over the weekend coming up. It wouldn't surprise me. So there were people that were putting up Christmas lights over the weekend. We were at Centennial Bank Stadium Saturday. It was homecoming. Appalachian State and Butch Jones had called them earlier in the week the most complete team that we've played this year. And I believe that. I think just top to bottom, every phase, this is a really, really solid football team. But... They defeat the Red Wolves 48-14. to 14. This is what – and I know because we kind of gigging Coach Jones a little bit because going into the Lafayette game and going into the Coastal game and going into the App game, in some kind of way he would describe each of them at the time as kind of the, the best team the or best program team. in the league. Yeah, I'll tell you this, and this is – I mean, and maybe I'll just say it's because I had to study App more because I was actually calling that game as opposed to being on the sideline. I don't know about who's got the best team out of the bunch right now, but I think App State is the model program in the Sun Belt Conference. They're loaded with super seniors this year, and 
I would think that they have as good of a chance of winning the conference championship game as anybody, and there's a good chance they match up again with the Cajuns. Somebody's going to. Yeah. <laughs> because and they're already the Cajuns there. Cajuns are already in. But the game Saturday, rough start. Appalachian State scores on a trick play early in the first quarter, and it was after they had converted on a fourth down, they run a double pass, and they're able to get in the end zone to go up 7 nothing. And I was talking with Coach Jones off the air while we were doing the TV show on Sunday, and he said, you know, we were ready for that play. He said we had probably practiced defending it 15 times during the week. There was just a, a missed assignment there. But, but they were expecting that double pass. And then later, very soon after that first touchdown – a pick six, Stephen Jones, the App State <laughs> corner who had a career day. He ended up with three interceptions, two for pick sixes. That puts App State up 14 to nothing. But hey, the Red Wolves, to their credit, they hung tough. They were able to come back, eventually tied the ball game early in the second. Pretty third down play near the goal line. It was third and goal from the seven. Lane Hatcher able to find Emmanuel Stevenson from seven yards out. Foreman and Rucker split out to the left. Hunt on the right, laying in the backfield with the quarterback Lane Hatcher. Four-man front for that App State defense. Stevenson goes in motion. They throw it to him. It's caught. Touchdown, Emmanuel Stevenson. Then after Appalachian State gets the ball back. Jarius Romanick gets an interception. Three minutes into the second quarter, App State with the football. They lead it 14 to 7. Rice claps his hands for it. Looks left, throws left. It's intercepted. Intercepted by the Red Wolves. Jarius Romanick. Jarius Romanick coming up from his safety position to make the pick, and it would have been a pick six, but Jarius just couldn't keep his footing. And Jarius is really playing some good ball right now, and they've moved him around a lot. Really played well at corner the week before at South Alabama. Had 12 tackles and a couple of pass breakups, but they moved him back to safety, had the pick. And then a few plays later, again, third down and long, third and 15 from the 20-yard line, Lane Hatcher finds Ross Painter for his first career school. They fake the handoff. Hatcher throws for the end zone. This is caught. Touchdown, Arkansas State. It was Ross Painter, the tight end, with his first career score. Not only his first career score, but also his first career catch. Yeah, I, uh, you and I were talking. You know, you would, I guess, in setting up the play or whatever, you'd maybe saw he was in there. I mean, I, I, it was one of those kind of double takes. I, who, you know, calling that and seeing eighty, and I'm like eighty, and you know, because like just. Uh, it's not a number you had seen called in the past game. It, when he's in there, he's you know physical guy blocking typically. So, yeah, good to throw a guy bone every once in a while. But App State goes up 24-14 at the half, and they pull away in the second half. And you talk about just them being the model program, and I think Sean Clark has done a good job taking over that program there were a couple of good head coaches there before Sean Clark took over Scott Satterfield certainly was the one that that really put App State on the map on the FBS mm -hmm. level he took off to Louisville then our buddy Eli Drinkwitz comes in he was head coach at App State for one year before taking the Missouri job and then Sean Clark 
ends up taking over. And I know he was a favorite of the players, and they were kind of pushing for him. But, you know, he's done a good job there. We're just now starting to see us get to a time where it feels like places are a little more likely to look at, at an offensive line coach as a head coaching candidate. You know, because a lot of times those guys aren't coordinators. They aren't play callers, you know, that often. And look at Arkansas, Sam Pittman, the same deal, but it's an offensive line guy. Well, uh, a so lot of the th- times you'll see him as like run game yeah. coordinators. But I think now the reason you see that work is uh, I, I think a lot of times it's going to boil down to you know, make sure you've got the, the guys you want in at your coordinator spots. And that really the way this head coaching gig has sort of evolved to this CEO type deal it opens the door for offensive line coaches or whatever position to be more likely to get to the head coaching gig. And yeah, this is a guy that knows all about that app program. Yeah. Obviously he's an app guy and you know, all he's done is we talk about is go 17 and five now as the head coach. And as we kind of put a lid on this game, of course, app able to run away in the second half uh, props to our buddy, Blake groupie. He's able to, become the all-time leading scorer at A-State among kickers, passing Brian Davis over the weekend. He's now second in Sunbelt Conference history in scoring, and the guy who leads all-time in scoring in the Sunbelt Conference is the other kicker from Saturday, Chandler Staten for Appalachian State. We were talking about that on the ESPN broadcasts, or the ESPN Plus broadcasts Saturday. How often do you – when the last time that's happened? You've seen you know the top two scorers in the history in, of a in conference a, in a league history be on the field together at the same time. Congratulations as well to Jacob Still made his fiftieth career start at center on Saturday. That ties Colton Jackson for most at A State during the FBS era. Now Jerry Scott had him doing a whole lot of digging last week trying to find out what the starch record actually is. He saw it was kind of easy to find out over the course of the last decade, but you go back to the mid-80s, and they were playing a lot of games those years when they were making the long playoff runs, especially from 84 to 87. They were doing 13, 14 games in a year. And Jerry, he reached out to Gina Bowman and I think Kevin Turbeville over there at uh, the Jonesboro Sun, and, and they tried to figure out who it might be as far as the all-time leader in starts at A-State. They think it's Dwayne Brown, who apparently had 51 starts. That's that's the number. So Jacob, with two more starts, and he's got three games left to play, would become the all-time leader in that category. Oddly enough, the guy with the FBS record in that category was on the field Saturday, too. You know, Thomas Hennigan from yeah. App State was making his 60th career start. Unreal. And, of course, that takes somebody starting every game for four years, and then you get the extra COVID year. The COVID year, yep. So it's going to be tough for anybody to ever break that record. But that was his 60th career start the other day. As far as A-State goes, Jacob still can get to 53, but there's a very good chance if he stays healthy, Andre Harris could break that record next year. So he's already sitting at 40 career starts. So he, he can pass up Jacob still. Another thing to mention from the other day, Wyatt Beagle making his debut at quarterback for the Red Wolves. Yeah, and since we're loving up Jacob still, and we know he's a thick-skinned guy and can take it, we'll say he gave Wyatt Beagle quite the welcome 
to college football. <laughs> First ever snap for Wyatt and probably the worst snap of Jacob Stills' career. <laughs> it went very wide and Wyatt had to run back 22 Just... yards, I think, and fall on top of the football. So uh, not the way that I'm sure Wyatt envisioned his first career play going down, but he did get in late in the game and actually uh, went for 23 yeah. yards on a third and 12 play. On third down and 12, they stay from their own 18. Beagle will keep it across the 20, 25, 30. Wyatt Beagle has the first down across the 35, 40, up to the 41-yard line. Wyatt Beagle on the third down keeper picks up 23 yards. So a little bit about you know, what, this, what the coach and staff and even the previous coaching staff, for that matter, liked about Wyatt Beagle. You know, and even coach had mentioned last week. Coach Jones had said he was specifically asked. You know, you're in this four game window now where you can play guys. Anybody that hadn't played, you know, you can play four games and keep your red shirt. We hadn't seen Wyatt at all, so Coach Jones was asked, "Are we going to see Wyatt Beagle?" And he said, "I think you will." And the thing he always says about it is, "We like some of the things he can do with the ball in his hands." And even without ever attempting to pass, we saw some of those things on display at the end of the game Saturday. Yeah, and he, he kind of alluded to the final three games of the regular season during our TV show on Sunday and said, we want to continue to try to get him some reps down the stretch. So continue to look for the true freshman quarterback, Wyatt Beagle, as we go forward. More to talk about on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here, refinished the floors here twice, sized up your daughter's boyfriends here, waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Well, we sat here last week and talked about the A-State soccer team and winning a second consecutive regular season championship. They had a fantastic regular season, but unfortunately, the conference tournament came and went pretty quickly for the Red Wolves, falling back on Wednesday in the quarterfinal round 2-1. to one to ulm yeah a, a lot of tough stuff there number one i think the sunbelt in soccer had, has gotten deeper to the point that there were more teams that could upset you along the way than maybe there's been in years past and then the other day of those quarterfinals that whole day was a little bit wonky as you saw some of the matches unfold i mean south alabama who ended up winning the tournament they got lucky to get out of their quarterfinal game right before Arkansas State played. They end up winning on penalty kicks against Little Rock, and their goal, the match was tied 1-1. South Alabama's goal was an own goal scored by Little Rock in that match. So they kind of got by the skin of their teeth, and then A-State – you know, got down 2-0 and couldn't get all the way back, got one back from Sarah Sedoma and kind of had to push, push, push late and couldn't get that tying goal on the board. So the soccer team sees its season come to an end. Still a fantastic year. They end the season as regular season champions. They finish 10-6-2 overall, 7-2-1 in conference play. And still, you just go back over what is still a young history of this program they have come a really long way in a short period of time. And they're not going anywhere. 
Like this was a team that for all the winning they did and the run they went on, they dealt with a lot of injuries this year. A lot of serious ones. It seems like everybody that got hurt on that team tore an ACL. Including the you know, they were you know, some of their key players, all conference pick, even you know, getting hurt as you know, late in the season. But this bunch didn't go anywhere. I mean, they had three freshmen make all conference. The next yeah. wave is here, plus kids that some of those guys that, that weren't on the field this year coming back from injuries. So it's not the A State soccer team, it's the A State soccer program that Coach Dooley and his staff have built up. Rough weekend for the volleyball team. They dropped their two games in Texas, falling to UTA and Texas State. They're now 14 and 13 overall, 5 and 10 in conference play. And they'll wrap up the regular season at home Tuesday night as they host Little Rock. Five o'clock start time at First National Bank Arena. Yeah, depending on what, you know, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Or what point you're listening to this on Tuesday. Tuesday's, Tuesday's a real busy day on the A-State campus. It is. It's triple header Tuesday at First National Bank Arena. And it all gets started with the women's basketball season opener. They'll take on Central Baptist College at 11 a.m. And this is the time of the year where you see a lot of early start times for women's basketball. And... I love these games. I mean, the, the local schools really get involved. They come, and the kids are able to come to these games. And I think I saw something from Coach Daniel the other day where it's around 950 to 1,000 yeah. kids that are already scheduled to be there. It would be considerably higher, but still got a lot of schools that aren't doing a lot of field trip type things. Some of the schools, when they were initially asked, I know one school, for example, when they were – first approached by it still had a mask mandate in place since then they don't but it kind of was too late for them to get it going so they worked hard to get it to that number where they got it right around a thousand kids in there for the season opener and you know hopefully knock on wood as uh, as you look ahead another year and we don't worry about mask mandates and people are going on field trips that i know that number will get quite a bit bigger 11 a.m. the tip time Tuesday for the women's basketball season opener coverage at 10.30 on 95.3 and 96.9 the ticket, 104.1 KBRI. And then the volleyball match against Little Rock at 5. And then after that, Mike Bellotto and the men's basketball team playing their season opener as they take on Harding at 7.30. And that Harding program, I mean, we both know that's a – that's a good basketball program. Oh yeah, Jeff uh, Morgan is awesome. But the only the only place in that league I'd probably be not upset if Arkansas State ever decided to go play on the road just to uh, experience one of the best home court advantages around. They've got there at Cersei. It is, and I've called games there for Harding, and you know before I came to Arkansas State back in 2005, the 0405 season, I was able to call. Harding games and the Rhodes Fieldhouse is fantastic and the support they have from students and you know they, they get it every single year and again Jeff Morgan's been there as the head coach a long time this is 29th year with the Harding program you know before we shift gears here since we're talking in-state programs and since this is the A-state podcast you know Henderson State is in the A-state family part they of the are. system yeah they play the Battle of the Ravine Saturday where they literally go walk across the street to take on Watch Top Baptist. 
both of them really, really good. Both have great seasons. And I just think it's cool. Like I, I said on my show, and I'll stand by it, I said last week when people were kind of squawking that game day was going to Cincinnati for Cincinnati-Tulsa, well, gosh, you had Auburn A&M playing. Look, they're at those places all the time. It's not always about it, game day going to the best game. It's yep. going to the places that deserve it that hadn't been. And I tell you, with all my heart, I believe game day should go to the Battle of the Ravine. It's that good. It's just the, the shortest it, road trip in college football. So that's coming up this weekend. It is, but they're they're not going there. They're going to, I think they're going to be at whoever. Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss Auburn or Ole Miss, whatever. Mm-hmm. The place had been 42 times. <laughs> More to come on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Well, another thing about November, and we talk about all the games that are going on right now, it's officially crossover season, which for us, for you and me, Brad Bobo, we have to get creative, whether it be scheduling broadcast, whether it be doing extra games, prep, trying to coordinate schedules. It's something that November always kind of brings with football and basketball both going on. But, you know, we try to make it work. Beyond that, take it a step further. You look at from an A-State standpoint, and I actually talked about this on the air with Thomas Bay, the, the deputy AD, Saturday. Inside that athletic department, it's one of the craziest times because the winter sports are all starting while the fall sports are in their championship season. So you get to this stretch right here, and you've got probably as many or more athletes competing at one time yeah. in your athletic department as you do at any time of the year. Because a lot of that's, that number would be skewed because of football, but just all those football guys are playing, and basketball's cranking up, and soccer was in championship, volleyball's still going, and cross country's in championship season. You know, and baseball's even out there playing fall World Series. So bowling had meets. Tennis has had matches so nearly every a-state athlete in this little stretch of time is competing right here a lot of things going on and the athletic department made the announcement late last week and we talked about our broadcast we're kind of adding a new voice to our network and somebody that has been with us at East Arkansas Broadcasters for a while now, but uh, Cade Carlton taking over the women's basketball play-by-play role. And, you know, we're excited for Cade. think he's going to do a, a fantastic job. And, you know, we also certainly wanted to make mention of, of Keith Merritt, you know, and, and the job he's done, not just for the women's basketball team over the last number of years, but, I mean, he, he's a voice that, has been a big part of this athletic program for decades now. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we could say this for one more week because I guess it would change coming up next Friday night. But until then, you know, Keith and the two of us are the only members of the club that have called an A-State Arkansas game for an A-State broadcast. <laughs> I said, Cade, we'll, we'll, we'll put it up to a vote and maybe let him in the club next Friday night. 
But, uh, you know, A-State fans have loved Keith a long time, you know, back with KESU and calling Arkansas State football or men's basketball, whatever the case is, and to get another round and run with him here in women's basketball. It's been a lot of fun. And, hey, we're not done with Keith yet. We're still – we've got work we're putting him to here pretty quick. Yeah, he's he's, uh, still a big part of our EAB family. Now, Cade will be with the women's basketball team at Oklahoma – Of course, they've got the regular season opener at home on Tuesday. But Friday, they've got another kids' day at OU. So an early start time in Norman, tip-off at 10.30. And then I'll be with the men's team when they go to Illinois, which will be quite the challenge. You look at the big non-conference games this year, for the men's basketball team and the ones that really stand out, you've got Texas Tech next month, but Illinois coming up this Friday, and it'll be really interesting to see how A-State competes on the road for the first time this year. Not just in the old place or any old atmosphere against any old team. I mean, this is an Illinois team that's not just good in name. I mean, they're good right now, and uh, so... It'll be a, an interesting challenge for Coach Pilato and the guys for sure. Yeah, back home for another doubleheader on Monday. The women will play at 5 o'clock against McNeese on Monday night. And then right after that, the men will take on Central Baptist College at 7.30. So really a busy week ahead. In the meantime, the football team back in action. Just three games remaining in the regular season. And, and they'll be in Monroe on Saturday kickoff for that one set for four o'clock as the Red Wolves take on the Warhawks and this is a ULM team that's turned some heads this year they didn't lead a single second of any game last year not one second here they are sitting at four and five overall two and four in conference play they're trying to become bowl eligible in their first year with Terry Bowden and they're four and one at home but they've won at home as big big underdogs yeah. in a lot of cases their last three uh going into the weekend they were a 23 and a half point dog to Troy in a game you and I listened to on the on the road one night yeah um they won that game then they come they turn around they're 32 and a half point dogs to Hugh Freeze and Liberty and they come from behind. I think they're down 14 nothing, and come from behind and win that game. We were in Vegas that weekend and saw that spread. And and I'm going to tell you, I never even thought about trying to bet Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, the play obviously would have been bet, playing them on the money line. For sure. You'd have gotten 25-1 to 1 if you'd have known that was coming. And then they turned around. You know, The last time they were home, they were 13-and-a-half-point dogs to South Al. Mm-hmm. And they won that game by 10. So they've done a heck of a job there. You know, not just Coach Bowden, but obviously, you know, bringing in Rich Rodriguez. And they thought, you know, Rhett Rodriguez would be the guy at the quarterback spot. But, you know, he suffered a pretty serious injury, missed some time. So they went back to the, the freshman that was playing for him last year. By all accounts, doing a pretty good job. And, you know, they're coming off a loss at Texas State over the weekend. But this is a team that's won four out out of its five home games and this saturday that's a place where you i think the line is always you have to create your own energy which means there's not a whole lot of energy in the stadium to begin with we'll see what if they're doing any better there now if they've if they've had any buy-in from their people be interested to see that part saturday when we get down there for a four o'clock kick 
Anything you need to get off yes. your chest? Okay. <laughs> so you and I view a lot of stuff similarly, but one of those things is recruiting. Mm-hmm. We feel about the same about recruiting in terms of the coverage of recruiting. Neither one of us are real big fans of it. I've said it a lot. I'm not that interested in talking about recruits, but I love talking about signees. Yes. I enjoy our signing day coverage, but before that, I could really care and I've less. Said, if our bosses here at East Arkansas Broadcasters came to me and said, hey, we want the coverage of recruiting to be a bigger part of your deal, I'd have a big, big problem with that. <laughs> because I listen, I've got a 17-year-old at home, and I can't keep up with his whims. I would hate it if my job was keeping up with the whims of a bunch of other 17-year-olds and yeah. what kind of mood they're in that day and where they think they're going and the last place to call them is the one they like the best and I'm going to commit to you now until somebody better comes along and all this crap. I hate it. I sell that to say this. <laughs> From a fan, and I know, listen, I know that fans, a lot of fans really like it and, I'm not, and that's okay. I'm not saying you should not like it and keep up with it. But the from a fan standpoint, the thing that bugs me about recruiting is this. When you get a commit, people want to strictly judge the value of that commitment by who else was in on them. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. When you see a, a, a commit come in, inevitably somebody's going to say, well, who else had offered them? Ooh, I don't know that that's very good based on his offers. I don't give a flip. <laughs> Who else has offered a kid? I'm wondering where you're going with that. I'll look at it because, you know, okay. I mean, just who else was in on, who else was in on him or her? Because if you go to their 24-7 or their rivals, mm-hmm. whatever, you can click on that. I'll look at it. But I'm not judging the quality of a recruit on that because what I'm judging it on is that the Arkansas State staff and whatever sport we're talking about thought enough of that kid to think they can help them win. And if the coaching staff in that particular sport thinks that, that's good enough by me. In September, we inducted a couple of recent former football players into the Hall of Honor, two of the best to ever do it at A-State. And Steve Roberts recruited both of them. Demario Davis did not have a single offer outside of Arkansas State. Ryan Applin did not have a single offer, FBS offer, outside of Arkansas State. You see how much that mattered in the course of their career. You know, to take it to another sport, uh, you go back to like an Adrian Davey who's in the Hall of Honor. I think Arkansas State beat Harding. Going back Mm -hmm. to Harding, I think that may be who they beat out to get Adrian Davey. All I need to know is did the A-State coaching staff think this kid will help them? If they thought that, which they clearly did because they offered them, I'm good. Good commit. Now, get back with me on signing day when they actually send the paperwork in. Case in point, and this is where we can, can wrap it up because you and I had this conversation off the air, and back to App State, where I told you I thought they were the model program in the league. You know, Pete Cordelli does color on the, the ESPN Plus football broadcast in Jonesboro. If you don't know, Pete's a longtime college football coach. He was on Lou Holtz's staff at Notre Dame. and yeah. I, mean, he's, I mean, he's coached a lot of dudes. And so he knows a lot of people, or if he doesn't know them, he knows somebody that does. So he'll get a chance to get that opposing head coach on the phone at some point. And he said he spent 30 minutes on the phone last week with Sean Clark, App State's head coach. And they started talking about their recruiting philosophy. And Sean Clark told him, you know, we used to go after all these five stars and power five guys. And when we found out, we'd invest all this time recruiting them, and they would commit to us. 
right up till signing day when a Virginia Tech or a Clemson would miss on somebody and then they'd swoop in and get your commit that you've invested all this time in. He said, we've stopped doing it. We're not going after those guys. We're going after the guys that they think they're looking at speed and bodies and can they bring that kid into the App State program and develop them. That's the kid they're going after. And by the way, it's working. They had two transfers on offense. One's the quarterback. They went and got a grad transfer quarterback. And the other one is, is Sutton. Yeah, he was a Kansas State transfer several years ago. That's it. Then they have a couple maybe on too deep on defense. They also had, on their offense, one starter that wasn't a junior, senior, or super senior. Yeah. They have a lot of seniors and super seniors on that team. So they're as good as anybody. I mean, I would put them like up with like the Patriots or the Spurs in their ability to go out and f- they're not worried about who else is in on them. They're out signing kids that they think would be good app state Mountaineers. Yeah, and it comparison. seems like they're right most of the time. We appreciate you listening. As always, this has been the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.